to Humans in History, the bite-sized birthday biography podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a podcast which shines a spotlight on a person, born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world, who made a positive lasting impact. Today, December 8th, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Dr. Ernst Morrow. He was born on this day in 1874. Anyone who took a course in child development or works with babies or as a parent can probably guess uh, one of Dr. Morrow's most lasting contributions to the world of pediatric medicine just based on his last name. Dr. Morrow was the doctor who discovered and named the now universally known Morrow reflex. For those of you not familiar with the Morrow reflex, it is this combo of reactions that a baby has to suddenly feeling not supported or bundled. It is observed as early as 28 to 32 weeks in utero, and it lasts until a baby turns between three to six months of age. So essentially, if you were holding a unswaddled newborn in both hands, and then you suddenly tilted the head a little bit so it was lower than the body, the baby would stick out their arms, then jerk them back in and start crying. Dr. Morrow first called it the embracing reflex because it was thought to be an infant's natural desire to cling to the mother if it feels that it's falling away from her. He discovered it after he put a newborn between two pillows on a bed, and then he began to tap either pillow. This elicited the moral reflex, sticking out of the arms, tucking them back in, then starting to cry. It's actually a normal part of an infant's nervous system, and the absence of it is actually considered enough of a warning sign to elicit a neurological assessment. So thanks to this discovery, the medical community now has one of the earliest warning signs of infant neurological abnormality. But this isn't why we're going to talk about Dr. Morrow today, or should I say it's not the only reason why. We're here to talk about how he saved lives with carrot soup. So Ernst was born into a Catholic family in the town of Laibach in what was then Austria-Hungary. Today, that same location is the capital of Slovenia. He was a baby in a family of eight, helmed by Ludwig Morrow, his father, a linen merchant, and his mother, Ursula. Both his parents died before he was six, and he was sent to go live with a pair of extremely religious aunts who tried to push him into the priesthood, but he thankfully pushed back and began to explore medicine. So he completes his MD in 1899 in Graz, Austria. At the time, the field of pediatrics was just a subsection under the umbrella of internal medicine. It was much less of a defined and a separate field than it is today. Today, doctors obviously know that the adult body is different than a child's body in terms of pretty much everything. Back then, they didn't really have that same sort of understanding. It was actually only 15 years before Ernst got his MD in 1884, that the first pediatric chair in Vienna, Austria had been established. And in 1894, uh, 10 years later, the city of Berlin would also follow suit and add a pediatric chair. So throughout Europe, pediatrics was starting to become more and more of a recognized and respected field. So this was a field that desperately needed good physicians. The infant mortality rate in Germany and Austria at the time was super high, 250 babies out of every 1,000, three times higher than the rates in the U.S. or even other parts of Europe. Thankfully, Ernst went to work in the lab of the Austrian pediatrician Theodor Esterich, who held the first chair at Graz and was viewed as the top pediatrician of his day. Theodore was particularly interested in the impact of bacterial infections on babies and young children, and Ernst became fascinated as well, specifically on the physiology of infant digestion. One of the top causes of death for babies was dehydration due to diarrhea, and Ernst was committed to finding a way to reduce the mortality rate. So he began by creating the first bacterial characterization of lactobacillus acidophilus, or 
today what we know as the most commonly used probiotic. Over the next five years, his work on the bacterial flora of infantile intestines and how it impacts overall GI health garnered him massive accolades and respect across the continent. After being awarded his Vanilla Legendi for his work, Vanilla Legendi is a Latin term meaning permission to lecture, he was permitted to teach at European universities and work in a professorship position. In 1908, he introduced yet another amazing medical milestone in what was called the Moro Test. The Moro Test was a cream that, when put on the skin, reacted if the patient had tuberculosis, which was another rampant disease throughout the world at that time. This non-invasive test was used in all TB screenings up until the 1960s when we switched over to the arm poke that we do today. So Ernst married a Polish Jew named Margareta Honingswald, who worked as a painter, and by 1911, he was both the head of the 200-bed Children's Hospital of Heidelberg and the father of a son named Peter. Dr. Morrow expanded the hospital even more, and he oversaw the construction of a rooftop terrace to allow pediatric TB patients access to fresh air. Morrow then turned his attention to the topic he had worked closely on with Esterich a few years back, infant diarrhea. Babies were dying by the thousands in Germany at this time. The number one cause was diarrhea. This was the number one cause of death for babies in much of the world at this time, as the common thinking of the day was that if a baby or a child was dehydrated, you needed to give them medicine to make them throw up to rid their body of whatever was making them ill. And this unsurprisingly led to the deaths of tens of thousands of babies due to even more dehydration. So Dr. Morrow first looked at lab rats with diarrhea, and he found that when he gave them a simple soup of carrots, water, and salt, he reduced their symptoms by up to 50%. This incredibly simple recipe was just adding 500 grams of peeled carrots to a blender with a liter of water in it, cooking it for an hour, and then adding three grams of salt. That was it. So he began to prescribe this soup to babies and kids with diarrhea instead of laxatives and purgatives, and death rates began to fall drastically. So what exactly was the soup doing? Studies were done on this soup in the early 2000s, and this is what they found out. They found out that Carrot extracts, so carrot soup, contain something called acidic oligosaccharides, or a combo of simple sugars that prevent bacteria from sticking to the walls of the intestines. And it was actually an even more efficient treatment for dehydration than the traditional oral rehydration with a standard glucose electrolyte solution like Gatorade. So Dr. Morrow knew that he was onto something here with the whole nature as a cure. So he dove into the healing power of apples after a chat with his colleague, August Heisler. Heisler told him about a time when an entire orphanage came down with infectious diarrhea and the children were given raw apple porridge, which helped alleviate symptoms and stave off dehydration. So Morrow piggybacked off that and he did a clinical trial, which proved that the tannins found in raw grated apples helped to relieve symptoms of dysentery and indigestion. And even today, when people have GI issues like diarrhea or nausea, doctors recommend the BRAT diet, banana, rice, apple, and toast. During the 1920s, he began to focus on breastfed versus formula-fed babies, and he started to realize that babies who are breastfed tend to fight infections much better than babies that are formula-fed. And he also coined the phrase first trimester. But all of this great good work was put to a stop in the 1930s when the Nazis rolled in. The Nazis began to remove every Jewish person or anyone with Jewish relatives from any prestigious positions or positions of power. And the pediatric society embraced this policy and they asked any doctor or professor who was Jewish or had Jewish relatives to resign. Since Moro's wife, Margareta, was Jewish, this put Moro in a tough place. 
Margareta had actually had her name added to several concentration camp deportation lists, but thankfully, between her husband's high-profile position and the intercedence of her husband's colleague, Carl Frederick Schmidthuber, a professor of dentistry and a new member of the Nazi Docent Association, her name ended up being removed from the deportation lists. Moro refused to divorce his wife, and he was removed from his University of Heidelberg position. His son Peter was kicked out of the Technical University of Berlin. Moro started a small practice at number 10 Mozart Street in Heidelberg, and he saw patients until he retired in 1948. The stress of living in Nazi Germany with a Jewish wife took its toll on the normally friendly and upbeat Moro, and he suffered from depression, insomnia, and, ironically, GI issues. Twice he had to go to a Black Forest sanitarium to regain his mental and physical health. Dr. Moro died in 1951, survived by his wife, who passed in 1962, and his son Peter, who would go on to become a Royal Institute of British Arts Fellow and a famous architect who designed theaters across England. My sources today were Wikipedia, the National Library of Medicine, and the Wiley Online Library. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Dr. Ernst Morrow. Please join me December 16th when we celebrate the birth and life of slain civil rights activist Jimmy Lee Jackson. See you then.